Okay, question. Are you good at prayer? Wow, what a question. Because is there such a thing? I don't know, but I think I'm bad at it. <laughs> and I think I'm trying to get better at it. But this week we're talking about prayer. Jesus is inviting us to pray. Yeah. What percentage of Christians in the church do you think pray pretty well? 12.76%. Wow. That's objective data. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what categorically what someone who's good at prayer I don't I don't know what that means. Like someone who prays regularly or I think so. is it They would say Because that, I don't think there's like a quali- quality of prayer that in terms of the words we use and how eloquent or whatever. I think that's what a lot of people think most Americans think pray about. Do you, when when I hear like data and study that say that Americans pray, like eighty percent of Americans pray. I yeah, mean, I mean, I've read that too. I, that I more more I, Americans pray than believe in God. Right, which is pretty what is interesting. That, what does that mean? Well, I mean, I think there's all sorts of psychological, positive psychological effects to praying, even if you're if you don't know who or what you're praying to. Hmm. But Christian prayer, I don't know, man. I feel like maybe the only way to measure it in terms of how quote-unquote good prayer is. Is the, the sheer number of answered prayers you have. <laughs> it's a running Excel spreadsheet. Exactly. It's sheer numbers. It's like buckets. Exactly. you, you got to put up a lot of shots to get a lot of game winners. Yeah. Is that what you're talking well, about? Well, if prayer is conversation and you were to say... How good are you at conversation? Right. With, with someone God. you are most close to someone you are in a deep, meaningful, loving relationship with, Jenny and I don't measure our conversations based on eloquence or sure. even like how co- how coherent the conversation. It's just connection that we talk. Yeah. yeah. Like last night we were in bed and it's we okay. talked for about 10 minutes about how Jenny discovered that <laughs> the singer Adele, the way to pronounce her name – properly is a dale what did you you know that yeah she said no it's not it's it was in an interview what recently yeah so jenny read an article about it this is brand new and then we a dale the revelation came after a british fan asked her a question about songwriting and the music icon applauded her for the correct pronunciation of her moniker she said my name perfectly. Yeah. He came and asked me how I say Adele. my name, and I was like, Adele. How's she was name? like, Adele. 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 What? Yeah. No, it's, yeah. No, yeah. it's like like a guy named Dale. Like a chip a and a Dale. A single Dale. A Dale. That's how you say her no, name. It's Adele. No, she said it. She said my name, the proper pronunciation mm. is Adele, but she's good with Adele because that's what everyone started saying. So Jenny and I talked about that for a while and we were laughing and going back and forth. And I said the same thing. I was like, there's no way it's Adele, the way it's spelled. So the the quality of that conversation. <laughs> pretty low. Pretty low. But the fact that we were laughing, connecting, connecting, laughing. Yeah, totally. So I, in that sense, I'm really good at conversation with my wife. And if that's true, then in some ways, a consistent connection with God in that way, isn't it kind of similar? I would it's, think. It's got to be. Hmm. I don't know. I read these people who are like spiritual giants, yeah. contemplatives, often contemplatives, you yes. know, the Christian saints who love to go off into their caves and yeah. spend hours and I just feel so spiritually junior varsity. Not even junior varsity. We're talking like seventh grade team. Yeah. But if you read those people, you know, many of them, if not most of them, will 
Well, it's not even that they're admitting anything. They just acknowledge that long stretches of their prayer lives are utterly boring and sort of ho-hum, you know, and feel, at least viscerally in the moment, quite insignificant. Hmm. And I think we have those moments, and we deem them as sort of failed prayers or something, you know, like we're supposed to feel some transformative, cataclysmic, life-changing emotion every time we pray. But I think, I find a lot of comfort in knowing God just wants to be with me. Yeah, totally. It also feels a little bit like priority and time. I think the best prayers, best people who are good at prayer really stake some time into it. They like try. Yeah. They're, you know, they're getting better. So that, well, well, it's the same thing. That gives me hope. At the end of the day, after a long day, Jenny and I could just as easily just zone out, zone out on social media, sit next to each other and just scroll our phones and not talk, you know? Yeah. But to, to make that effort to connect and. Well, I think in general, that's what this week's about. It's about rolling in the deep. (laughs) <laughs> with a dale <laughs> yeah oh, what yeah a dale like a dale said it's like rolling in the deep yeah. <laughs> that's what this is so weird doesn't it make you it think made, differently about it, her it makes you feel dumb a dale a dale that's how you say her name well i pronounced um i thought it was hassan minaj it's hassan hassan i had no idea yeah hassan I, thought, I thought it was hassan and minaj. it's hassan minaj i know i yeah. i was pronouncing both parts of his name completely incorrectly yeah isn't that Ad- weird? Adele and Hassan. But what? How did I get that? Somebody must. Somebody said it wrong, and I. I just. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I mean, that's a show I would go to. Adele and Hassan. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know? Can you imagine? Awesome. Have you seen his new Netflix special? You'd laugh and then you'd cry. Have you? Seen I have. It? Yeah. You're the one who recommended it. Yeah, to me. I really enjoyed it. it Not as much weird. as the first one, but Homecoming was yeah, his first Homecoming one. King, incredible, incredible. Second one was great too. No, I really loved it. Yeah. It was really funny and yeah. really interesting. Yep. Uh, anyway, okay, well. We've got Steve Clifford here to talk about prayer, so I'm going to kick you out the studio. All right. And, and Steve and I are going to talk about I'm going to go listen to some Adele. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay, hey, hey everybody, welcome to the afterward here with Steve Clifford. Steve, first of all, I saw on social media that you and Dana went to Texas and you saw we, a Cowboys game in the we big stadium. We did our, our first Cowboys game uh, for years and the first one in the new stadium. It was so much fun. Ta- okay, first of all, it looks like the nicest stadium in the world. Is it? Talk to me about it. It looks so it's, cool. It's like over the top Jerry world. I mean, it's like ridiculous. So you almost forget you're at a football game because there's these giant screens everywhere. And then the weather is perfect. It was a little bit cold, windy that day. So they closed everything up. Oh, it has a dome that kind of closes. Yeah. And a sides in sides on the each on the end, each end of it can open these giant glass doors. Anyway, it's, 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 uh, it, here's okay. Here's the deal. I, you didn't ask for this, but here's what it was. It was a worship service. Oh, and Re- people were worshiping at the feet of the NFL. Did that it, make you feel did, what, like you felt a little weird about it? Yeah. <laughs> and you're a big fo- you're a big football guy, 
And so I am, and I I, I really enjoy it. But it's but just it felt too a little a little too well. They're playing the Lions, so yeah. But the Lions played them pretty tough. But that's the good. Cowboys' defense played really well, and they pulled it out. So that's um, good. It was really fun, and I, and I got to have my grandkids there, and so oh, it's what? a memory. I, I think th- I don't think they'll ever forget it. That's you know, so just, cool. One of those. Do you remember? Was there when? food? Was there good? Because it seems like Texas barbecue, right? Was there good okay, food? Okay, shut up. Now let me tell you about this. There's an app that you download when you go. My son downloaded it. What? He's sitting with us, and he said, "What do you want?" And I said, um, "Are you going to the concession stand?" He said, "No, I've got this app." I said, "What?" He said, you just order the food what? and it's got a GPS system where it what? knows where what seat you're in. What? And if they bring the food no, to you. No, they do not. What did <laughs> you, was it good food? I mean, is it just stadium food or was it good? Uh, it's stadium food. Oh, okay. Pretty much. Okay. All right. Still, but, the idea of having nachos delivered to me endlessly is pretty exciting. I, that's exactly pretty. what I had. I had nachos. <laughs> that's with, amazing. With cheese and chili and jalapeno. Oh, my. Uh, oh, my. Just, Good. Oh, that's 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 well. We are not here to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. No, we are not. We are here to talk about. Uh, actually, it's kind of near the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We're talking about this moment where Jesus talks about prayer, and uh, I kind of opened up the podcast talking to Jay about prayer, and uh, I asked him if he thought he was a good prayer. I guess I should ask you. Do you, do you consider yourself a good prayer? Well. I mean, it's a tough question because um, the way that I used to think about prayer was so un—it was so unrealistic in terms of what it would only—I only counted like the really earnest prayer where you're on your knees and you shut everything else out and you just pray, you know. And I just—I think that's part of prayer for sure, but I think that there are there are also things that come to your mind in the middle of the day as you're driving to someplace and you lift up a prayer. There are breath prayers where you just think of someone and you just say, God, you know, be with Colby today while she's going to school. And and so I've gotten, I would say I'm getting better at prayer because I've broadened the, the boundaries of the categories of what I allow to be effective prayer. Huh? Wow. That, um, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it totally but. does. It, it's so it's more. Uh, Jay and I were talking. It's more about connection and staying connected to God, not not the formality or the length or the duration necessarily. Even. Yeah, I think um, Dallas Willard once said that talking to God about what we are doing together is prayer. Huh. Talking Just to talking God about to God what we're doing together. About what we're doing together, I, and, and so there's the assumption first. You're acknowledging God. You're talking to Him. And you've also invited him into the conversation and into the activity that you're doing. Right. And so and I think at that moment, that's as great as and simple as prayer gets. Um, which gets so us to, it, which gets us to, I think, uh, I want to talk about so many different things, but there's one aspect of prayer, which I think is probably an intellectual block for a lot of people. And I think it's this idea of like, why, why even pray? What's it even matter? God's going to do, I mean, I, he's going to do whatever he's going to do anyway. So it's this kind of concept that God's either um, like Shakespeare and has like written everything down and everything's preordained and we're just actors on the stage or like kind of like a grandmaster in, in chess, no matter what move we make, he's going to be able to do what he needs to do kind of around it. We're kind of irrelevant in it. And the Bible sets a very interesting and different tone 
for this. There was a quote that you put in in your um in your message, which I loved. It was from Sky Jatani, um, easily yeah. one of my top five Indian American theologians. One of my he's 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 amazing. He says this: We are not merely passive set pieces in a prearranged cosmic drama, but we are active participants with God in the writing, directing, design, and action that unfolds. Prayer, therefore, is much more than asking God for this or that outcome. It's drawing into communion with him and taking up our privileged role as his people. In prayer, we're invited to join him in directing the course of his world. I don't think most people think of themselves as partners with God, um, as being in a partnership with God. I just don't, I think that that's a paradigm shift for a lot of people. And I think once you understand that, I think it really does transform how you even think about your day, your life and God. Yeah, I, I think it does too, Dad. I, 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 if you could just, if you're listening to this, if you could just imagine the, say the top three, just take the top three most important relationships in your life. And let me just kind of do those for me. So Dana, um, Imagine if my relationship with Dana, if you were to, if, if I were just, if she's just to assume, you know what, he's going to love me. He's going to share his money with me. He's going to let me stay in the house with me and provide for me. He He's, he's going to do those things. And so I don't need to talk to him. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even need to acknowledge him. I don't even need to look at him. I don't, there's, he's going to do all those things anyway. Well, that's kind of what you're saying with God. Yeah, that's good. Well, God's going to, you know, God's going to love me. He's going to forgive me. So I'm not even going to acknowledge him. Well, uh, th- what that tells you is you are in a a horrible relationship. You're in a you're in a relationship that's 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 not one of kindness and love and empathy. And God did what he did so that we could have a relationship with him, not so that he could have a bunch of puppets on a string. That's just not the way the world, in my opinion, as I, as I look at God, it's not all so predetermined that what we talk about with God and what we do each day doesn't matter. Which and I just, yeah, I completely agree with, with, with uh, Scott. Now, so what's interesting about that is, and I guess, well, let's just talk about this for a second. Um, somebody, I, the implication of Jesus here as he's teaching this, because what does he say? Ask. Seek, knock. I love that. Ask is kind of like the first level. And then seek is a little bit more aggressive. If you go seeking, you got to kind of go out. And then knock is like persistent, right? Right. It seems to indicate, Jesus seems to be saying, prayer, our prayers actually matter in the course of this world. And also, we got to talk about where this is in the Lord's Prayer. I'm I'm sorry, where this is in the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, yes. He has just unloaded for chapters all this stuff that we need to do, love our enemies, live generously, get away from lust, get away from anger. I mean, all these things, uh, pray, really, you know, reorient our lives to be in God's kingdom. These things are going to require all of us, right? They're hard. They're very difficult. And I think the implication is there's no possible way to do any of this unless we're asking for help and being with God and and, and inviting him into our day, right? So that's the context of this, of this invitation. Yeah, and if, if you miss that, you, you kind of miss why it's placed here, I think. He's basically said, I know what I've just said seems hard. Impossible, maybe. Yeah, impossible in and of ourselves. But fear not. Ask, it'll be given to you. 
seek, seek out ways to do this and I'll help you find it. Knock on the door. Just keep asking me. I'm going to open it up to you because I'm a good father. I'm a good father. And I'm not going to be, if you ask me for bread, I'm not going to give you a a rock. If you ask me for fish, I'm not going to give you a snake. You know, I'm I'm a good father and I'm going to give you good gifts. I love, I I love the rhetorical device Jesus uses. He could have said who, imagine the difference if he said uh, who, if your son asks for two loaves of bread, will give him one loaf of bread. I mean, that's a different metaphor. That's not what he says. He says, who, if your son asks for bread, will give him a rock. So the, the the absurdity of that is Jesus is saying that's not what, which brings us to yeah. our next, which brings us to our next point, which I wanted to get into that. The first was kind of an intellectual block. Why, you know, kind of a, a philosophy of prayer. But the second one is the one that I think Jesus really kind of deals with here. And that's the emotional block. Uh, a lot of people for a variety of reasons have a difficult time believing that God is actually a caring father. And Jesus uses language here of not just God as a provider, but as real warmth and tender and familial. Like he's using real language here about, about an actual father. He's trying to get us to see something. Now, I know this is something that we share in our story. Um, you, you didn't have this growing up. You didn't have a, a loving, caring father. Your dad just kind of left pretty early in your life story. He did. So was that, even looking back on it, was that kind of a barrier to Christianity? And then how did you learn this lesson and about God being a father? And how did that change just even the way that you prayed? I don't remember being hung up about God as father from my, from my experience with my father. I, I certainly am sure that I missed some things and I had, I viewed some things incorrectly, but um, it was, it's fairly easy for, when I think about God, I think about him as in his goodness. It's, it's fairly easy for me to go there first because quite honestly, he's been so good to me. <laughs> right, right. Right. I yeah, mean, no, I totally get it. Yeah. My experience is so rich. My my life is so much the better that, you know, how, how could I, how could I not think that he was for me? Now I'm not saying I get this hundred percent right all the time. Sure. It's, it's not true, but I, I understand the principles of parenting enough to know he's a good father, but he's not a sugar daddy. He's not Santa Claus. Right. He's not someone who just gives me whatever I ask for. Right. Cause that's it, not even what a good it, parent does. <laughs> No, it's it's kind of like it's he, he's the father. He's not a grandfather because oh, is you know, that what grandfathers grandpa- tend to give a little bit more than you, <laughs> than you sometimes should? At least I'm. A, that's my experience with me and my grandkids. Right, but, you you and Dana spoil your kids, your grandkids. Well, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, okay, guilty. <laughs> um, uh, but but as a good father, I understand that 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 means that there are some things that he'll do for me that. That'll just, he'll hold me from, he'll keep me away from. Even if you think right now, I need that. I want that. That's important. Yeah, and yeah. it's so easy, really. Come on. Those of you who are listening, how many things have you prayed for that now when you look back 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, you look back on those prayers and you think, oh my gosh, God, thank you for not giving me that job. Thank you, God, for not giving me that promotion or that location or that wife, I, there's just my, my, 
I was sure I knew what I wanted, but what I wanted wasn't necessarily what was best for me. I was afraid there for a second you were going to go into vintage Garth Brooks and start singing Sometimes I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Unanswered Prayer. I mean, it's just, you know, and here's the deal. There is there is really no unanswered prayer. Those prayers were answered. They were just answered with a no. Right. And the good father reserves the reserves the privilege and the right to be able to say no. And what what and when you when you whine and say, oh, God's, you know, I don't know about God because he just didn't give me all I wanted. You're just acting like a spoiled kid. Ooh, You're just a brat. Yeah. And, I, and you know, so and I've I've committed <laughs> I've committed my life to try not to be a brat. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just that easy. There's also another side of this, though, and you get into this a little bit. And, and, I, and that's the and it's kind of like a third block. And I call it like the experiential block or the experiential, you know, mm. hurdle. And there are people that you and I know, and I know even you and Dana, things that you pray for, you're pretty sure are good. They're not about you. You've prayed for a long time, yeah. a long time. They're important to you. You can see very easily how they would be a good thing. Um, often they're for other people that you love very much. Sometimes even for other people. I know we, we both know people who have been praying for years for relatives, um, children to parents to come into faith, into a relationship with God. Those yeah. are obviously yeah. things that God wants, obviously things that God desires. And yet sometimes those prayers seem to hit like a ceiling. They don't get answered. And so there's the experiential aspect of this too. And it's not about necessarily even like, oh, I'm, you know, this isn't a, this is a good thing, but there's a block and it doesn't get right. answered. And right. how, how do you help people? And I know that's been true f even for you um, and Dana. Oh yeah. How do you oh, yeah. how do you how do you help people deal with that? I'm going to say disappointment, but that might not even be a strong enough word. Yeah, I, I want to I want to want you to know that there's some things that are very important to me. I pray for every day, and they just haven't happened yet. Um, and there's certainly some things that if I could, I would pray that they'd never happen, and they already have, and they're it's right. too late to go back. Right. So here's the deal: is that. I remind myself with the question, the first question, the question we were just talking about earlier, I was, my emphasis was on the good father. Okay. Now my emphasis, when I come to these places that I don't understand and I don't get my way, what I try to be is the obedient son. What I try to acknowledge is God, this is what I want. And I think it's according to your will. But you may have a better day to do it than now, and I submit it to you. Or you may have a better way to do it than I'm asking for, Right. and I give it to you. You are God. I am not. You are the Father who has all the information. I don't have all the information, and I trust you because I believe you're good, and I leave it. I well, leave it there. We have a model for this in Matthew 26. I mean, it, we're not going to get to Matthew 26 until like six years from now. <laughs> but later on, this very Jesus that's talking about ask, seek, knock, he's going to be in the garden and he's going to ask something very specific. If this cup yeah. can pass, please let it pass. And that prayer does not get answered. But then the second clause of that sentence, but not my will, but yours be done, that's kind of the obedient son thing that you're talking about. So I, I, I think in a real way, we have Jesus as a model. For sure. For what's, for yeah. even unanswered. And actually, it wasn't unanswered. 
it was just answered in a way that, I mean, the father did not leave his son, you know, and he was raised from the dead, raised to glory, beat death, you know, all those things and, and saved the world and us part and parcel, (laughs) you know? So, well, and if there was a better way to do it, Jesus wouldn't have gone to the cross. That was the way that it had to happen. That was the way God, the father had chosen to express his love towards us. And then now you take that principle and now you apply it to me as an obedient son or daughter, if you're out here listening, son or daughter. And I say, man, it just doesn't seem like this is the best way to do it. God, I want this person to return to you. I want this person to get well. I want this person, you know, I, I want these situations to change. And, and yet I, I'm limited. I don't know. I don't know what the best things are. And it, and it, you know, when we talked about, we just talked about being a brat when you don't accept the goodness of God. This is the, if this puts you in a situation where you actually are putting yourselves where you have, you know, more about stuff than God does. And now you've put yourself in an arrogant position where you say, God, you ought to do what I say since I'm the one who knows everything. Yeah. And, it, it's and no, very, one, would, very, no yeah, one believes yeah. that, but they, you still wrestle with it. Yeah. But boy, it does seem like, Hey, listen, I don't know much, but I'm pretty sure you want, you want people to come back to you. Like, that's yeah. a thing. I, I mean, I'm like, oh. how, how could this not happen? So I, I get it. And, or, you know, even um, parents praying for their kids. I mean, who, who, I mean, that's a good parent thing to do, right? That's a, Honorable it is, thing and to- I think, and I think we should, I, and I think we should persevere in that, even when those children, those kids yeah. uh, of ours, sons and daughters, that make decisions that we don't like, and that seem to be taking them down a different road. Um, I think we continue to ask that God would, would, yeah, you know, change things and and make it better. Does it get easier? Um, I I I wonder. You've been walking a little bit longer. Uh, just a little bit longer than I have in this thing. Does it get a easier? lot longer now? Yeah. Now just a, a couple of decades. Does it get easier with, uh, does it get it easier does. as you get, I wonder if, as you see the faithfulness of God over your life, is it like easier to trust? It is that I promise you it is. It does get, cause you just have the, the evidence just stacks yeah, up. It just stacks up. Of yep. A loving, good father. Yeah, yeah. It just continues to stack up. Cause he's going to continue to be good for you. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and good to you. And there's things that you're asking for right now or that you'd like to see happen. And they're they're probably not best for you, really. And so you'll see in 10 years, maybe. Oh, yeah, that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a good idea. That wasn't a good idea at all. Um, so. OK, so let me ask you a question. Do you have any tips or tricks on uh, somebody might say, listen, ask, seek, knock. Like, do you have any tips or tricks on, on prayer? I mean, uh, he taught on prayer earlier uh, in, in this. He, t- he did the Lord's Prayer. For, that's been instructive and helpful for Christians for generations. Do you have any practical tips and tricks for folks who are who are listening who want to be in that kind of uh, that kind of prayer that you talked about? You know, there's a book out called Atomic Habits. Oh, and he's got that's a secular book just about. It's a secular yeah. book. It is not a Christian book, but it is brilliant in terms of. If you want to try to change some habits in your life, I think it's a great resource, just a phenomenal resource. And he talks about there, he talks about a thing called habit stacking. Hmm. James Clear is the okay. author, I think. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember who wrote it, but what's habit um, stacking, Steve? Habit stacking is habits that you have already in your life 
that you intentionally stack or associate to other habits you want to form in your life. Okay. Okay. All right. So here's, here's one for me. Um, I'm in the habit of checking my email. Okay. And I use email as a prompter to pray for people. Huh? So you get an email from somebody you like, so if I get an email from someone and, um, and they, j- it just comes, it, I'm, I'm emotionally tied into, it's, I'm yeah, just yeah. not, yeah, yeah. it's not, you know, just an email disseminating information. It's not just something, it's not an email like that. It's an email that for some reason, my heart is drawn to it. I stack the habit of praying for them right there. Hmm. Um, I also, uh, when I, when I pray, I tend to get distracted and so one of the things that I do is what those I allow the distractions to be a prompt to pray in a different way rather than just being frustrated with myself. Like let's say I'm 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 praying for I'm trying to pray for my family and then all of a sudden I think of the message with you and and that you're going to be preaching it and so I will say God you know dad just came to mind I don't know why I got distracted about this but he's going to be preaching Matthew 7 with me and God, I hope you'll give him clarity and joy as he gives it. And then I then I go back to oh, interesting. Now, now yeah. how do I now how do I go, get back to praying the stuff that I was trying to pray the prayer? Because I keep lists. I have lists. I use um, my Google Calendar has a um, a feature over on the side that's called a task list, and I use that task list as a prayer list. Um, and so I, you know, I do, I do things like that. And I so, also saw, but, and just because it happened to be open in your office, you have like all these birthdays that pop up. And, and uh, I, I wonder if, if, is that also a thing you use to like pray for folks? Cause their yes. birthdays keep popping up. Yes. And so, like I said, I'm, I've got a habit of being oh, on that's the calendar. I'm going to look at my Google calendar every day. Yeah. So what I do is when it's not just birthdays, it's like, I should, let me open Google calendar real quick. It's 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 so uh, today is Josh Fox's birthday. It is. If you are listening, Josh, Josh, happy birthday, man! It's been such a privilege to have you on the same staff as me. And then over the next three days, there's three different guys that have been on staff with me at different times. None of them are on my staff now, and but I would I would see those and I would pray for them. So okay. I, I hmm. stack the things up. Next week, I not only stack birthdays, um, I stack. Um, a dear friend of mine next week, Darling, Darling Culberson was my admin for like 11 years and her mother died next week on the ninth. And so I'll think of her. And a lot of times I'll send her a little text and just as oh, I pray cool. for her. Just say. Yeah. So I stack because I'm, I'm going to be in the calendar. Yeah, that's good. Right. And so rather than saying, oh, I've got to have a separate list and I've got to keep up with all this stuff. Well, it's just right here. Yeah. And it sends you a little reminder when you open your you know, calendar for that day of the things that are going on and coming up. And so I, that's habit stacking and I I use it to, to use birthdays and special events and people Hmm. that I love task lists that are on part of my calendar that I'll see. That's good. Just to kind of remind me. uh, Tell me if this is habit stacking, I have to walk the dog every morning. And so I've taken the habit of, of, you know, just going on slow walks and using that time. Because I'm absolutely, I'm out, the, I'm out there anyway. <laughs> yep. 
you're out there in the anyway. So, so you could use it to pray or you could use it to listen to a podcast or yeah. a devotional time or the scriptures, you know, somebody, somebody tells me, well, I never can, I can never can remember the read the scriptures. And I'm like, well, put it on your nightstand next to your bed, put a Bible there and open that sucker up and say, I'm going to read for 10 minutes before I go to sleep. And before you know it, 10 minutes turns into 15 and 15 minutes a night turns into three months and three months turns into a year. And, you and that's quite, yeah, that's, yeah, that's quite a bit of scripture reading. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Well, Steve, thanks for this. Uh, we, we're, uh, we're at almost at the end of Jesus's teaching, actually. <laughs> uh, he's not going to teach a whole lot more. He's going to issue a couple more warnings and, uh, uh, yeah. and it's going to get pretty, it gets pretty real, but, uh, this is this is a really, I, I think this is um this passage is really encouraging because the way that Jesus talks about his father and the way that he talks about it, and it ties back of course early like when he says your heavenly father cares for the birds and the lilies and the flowers how much you know and the and the grass how much more so will he care for you so it really is kind of a continuation of a theme that Jesus is trying to get us to see. Yeah, and I just I said this on on uh, Sunday, but I'll say it again. When I pray, I come as a completely accept, accepted, fully loved, cherished son or daughter of a good and loving heavenly Father who loves to hear my voice and delights to give me good gifts. That's that is that's not something you've earned. That's just something that's true about God. Yeah. And that's true about you because of his love expressed into your life. Yep. And your relationship with him through Christ. And if we can and get so, that, really meditate on that, really let that sink in, that can change everything. What good father, when a when a child of theirs comes and wants to talk to them, would be annoyed? You know, that would be, that would not be the, the, yeah. the characteristics of a good father. Now, there might be some fathers that would be annoyed. But they're not good fathers. Uh, but, but they're not. <laughs> They're not good yeah. at that time. Yeah, yeah. At that moment. Yeah. Well, thanks, Steve, for for uh, jumping in and helping us with this. And uh, and uh, I guess we will we'll talk to you soon. And unless you're going to stay out in in Dallas and hang out and watch more cowboy games. Oh no no no! I'm I'm gonna I'm back, baby. Oh okay. <laughs> All Dallas right. Dallas is just a place I visit. Okay. Cool. Cool. All <laughs> right. Well, we will we'll, we'll talk to you. Actually, we're going to talk to you in just a little bit because you're you're finishing us off with the uh, the wise builder and the foolish builder which is the Correct. way the way that this whole thing ends. So we'll yep. see you in just a couple of weeks. It'll be 14 weeks, I think. Oh my gosh. 14 weeks in the Sermon on the Mount. Wow, there it is. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, Steve. Thanks for stopping by. Okay, thank you, David. All right, bye. All right, just want to say thanks to Steve Clifford and Jay Kim for stopping by. Join us next week as we kind of begin to close the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 comes to a close. Jesus is done with his teaching. And he turns kind of serious. Actually, he's been serious the whole time, but he turns really, really um, warning. A lot of warnings come up here. Uh, Jesus starts turning binary. You can go this way or that way. You can build on this kind of surface or that kind of surface. And one leads to life and the other leads to destruction. It's this binary prophetic kind of thing that Jesus goes into. And uh, it's pretty stark. So we're going to look at that next week. And then after that, can you guys believe it? It's It's... Advent. It's Christmas time. And then we're going to launch into Christmas in the Christmas series, which we're calling Prepare Him Room, which is a kind of a tag off of that old uh, Joy to the World song, um, Let Every Heart Prepare Him Room. We're going to go into the Christmas season. 
And that's going to be the new year, 2023, which, which sounds like we should all have flying cars and robot maids and other things. Anyway, uh, well, we'll see you next week.